So heading into 2021, I was thinking and praying about what direction uh, to head for this first series of the new year. You know, that we're coming off of December. December is always high pressure because it's the same passage of scripture every year, right? You're talking Luke, you're talking Matthew, you're talking birth of Jesus. So you got to come up with a new way to, to dialogue about that, new way to move through that. Well, heading into 2021 or the new year, that first messages of the new year, pastors put a lot of thought and emphasis into that. And so uh, I was really thinking a lot about 2020 and how challenging of a year that was uh, for our church and for so many people. Uh, and then I started thinking about Paul and the early church. And really, was it that different for them? And maybe they didn't deal with, you know, they didn't have COVID-19, uh, but didn't they struggle? Didn't they have less than optimal conditions within which to do church? Didn't they face adversity? And the answer is yes, on all counts. The early church faced very difficult times. And when you look at the early church, they exploded in growth. They saw life change taking place everywhere and they were all new Christians on top of it. These weren't people that had decades of faith behind them because they didn't grow up in the faith because faith itself was new. Uh, their faith had to be new as well. So you have new believers, you have a church that's that's facing a ton of pressure and persecution and, and imprisonment and even uh, death uh, threats against the followers of Jesus. So there was all sorts of stuff that was against them and yet the church exploded and they had to be instructed as to how to make it how to not just survive in this but to thrive in this type of environment how to live the kind of life that christians should be known for living and they got to set the tone early on and today most christians i would say are not known for this kind of life instead most christians today kind of blend in with the crowd uh, they kind of become background uh, and I, I would contend, and this is kind of the impetus behind this series, that the only way to avoid becoming an everyday Christian is to live everyday Christianity. And that is the way that God intended for us to live. I think that, that you know, the way that Jesus modeled for us to live and for the purpose of this series that we're about to go into, the way Paul wrote to the early church and instructed for them to live. That is what I would call everyday Christianity. It is the norm of what Christianity should look like when it's lived out according to scripture, according to what Christ modeled for us, according to what Paul taught the early church. And yet, I think we've got too many everyday Christians that just kind of blend into the background. They're just kind of humdrum. They go through the motions because they're not living out everyday Christianity as the Bible teaches us to live. An everyday Christian is just trying to survive. They just want to get by another day. An everyday Christian is focused on themselves instead of on those around them. An everyday Christian doesn't know what overcoming and what abundant life even looks like. They're not sure what they should be living. When Jesus says, I've promised that, that I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, an everyday Christian doesn't even know what that means for them. And I want to help you in this opening series, message series of the new year to ensure that you're living the kind of life that God wants for you. Here's the thing. It's not the kind of life that God wants from you. This is the kind of life that God wants for you. And so for the month of January, we're going to look at a passage from the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And in this section, he's giving them instructions 
for how they are supposed to live, for what their life should look like, how they should treat one another. I, I don't want to get into all of it because we're going to read it. So let's read Philippians 4 verses 1 through 9 together this morning. He starts off, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. <laughs> so here in the early church, he's calling people out. He's saying, hey, guys, you, you can't have this infighting. You got you to gotta settle this down. He continues, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Well, this passage hits just about everything, doesn't it? I mean, there is so much in there. And obviously, we're not going to cover this all today. This is for the whole month we're going to be working through this passage. We're going to cover everything from how we treat one another to our attitude and how it appears to those who aren't yet followers of Jesus. We'll talk about how to deal with stress and the kind of prayer life that honors God. Uh, we're also going to hit the kind of things God wants us to focus on and also what kinds of things we should be avoiding as we live our lives. But today, we're going to kick things off with verse 1. And it's about as foundational as you can get as a follower of Jesus. And so let's read that again, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. And so here we have Paul telling them why he's writing to them. It's not to get on their case, but he's writing to them because they are, as he refers to it, they are his crown. They're the reward that he gets for doing what he's doing. He loves them and he feel, every one of them is his great reward. He's writing to them from prison and thinking of them and their faith is what keeps him going. But also contained in this verse right up front is this nugget. And this is what I really want to hone in on today. He says this, stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. Now, there's a whole mountain of truth and challenge in those five short words, isn't there? And so we have to begin by asking ourselves, well, how do we stay true to the Lord? What, what does that mean? Obviously, I want to, you know, stay in good relationship with Jesus, but how do I stay true to him? And as I thought about this, the Holy Spirit led me to one of the first scriptures that I ever memorized as a kid. And it's Psalm 119 verses 9 and 11. This is how it reads. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. So how do we keep our ways pure? How do we stay true? How do we stay on the straight path to the Lord? How do we stay true to him? By living according to his word. By reading, by thinking about, and living out the Bible. And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning focusing on. Uh, I want to take the rest of our time and make a case for the importance of God's word. Now, sometimes I get a little animated and I get a little preaching. Uh, today, I'm going to be more in teaching mode uh, because I want to really lay a foundational case for the importance of God's word in your life and why it's so important. And sometimes I think the Bible for us is like exercise, right? We know it's good for us. We know we need to do it, but we just don't, okay? Uh, a Bible that doesn't get read is like a pair of running shoes that sits in the closet and is never worn. Uh, they have the intention of getting you healthy and keeping you healthy, and they would if you ever used them, but they're never going to do anything without action on your part. And the Word of God plays that same role in our lives. It can change everything, but we have to take the initiative. We have to take action, and we have to be consumers of God's Word. And I want to make a case for the Bible as one of your top priorities in 2021. In fact, I would argue it should be the priority in 2021. Because I think some of us aren't convinced that the Bible can really help us. Or at least we act like that's how we think. Um, because it's not a priority in our lives. Sometimes I think we never get past a childlike approach to the Bible where we've been told it's important so many times that we believe it, but it's not real to us. We believe it, but it's not real. Let me explain what I mean by that. <clears throat> when I was a student pastor, my first uh, 11 years of ministry, I spent in youth ministry. And one of those years, I got to go to kids camp because our church was without a kids pastor at that time. And so I went to kids camp, took all the kids to kids camp, and I was sitting next to this kid uh, and his name was Peter. And so this kid ne is sitting next to me, his little fiery red haired kid named Peter. And I, I think he probably had to be about like third or fourth grade. Okay. And so he's sitting next to me in one of the services and the kids evangelist is up on the stage and he's telling this story. He's like, okay, kids, I've got this real life story that I want to tell you today and it, you really need to listen closely because this is going to be really important that you get this story. And he starts to tell this story about this guy named Joe and how Joe had a real tough childhood and he had a bunch of brothers, but none of his brothers liked him and they picked on him a lot and they, they ended up, even one day they ended up beating him up and, and they threw him down in this pit and then... These guys came and, and these brothers actually gave him to these strangers from another country and they took him away. And they're going through this whole story about Joe. And, and as the story begins to unfold and it becomes more and more apparent what this kid's evangelist is doing, this kid starts to catch on that this is not Joe, this is about Joseph from the Bible. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes on in Peter's head and Peter turns to me and he taps me on the shoulder. And he says, Jeff, I'm like, yeah, Peter. He says, that's just not a true story. This is from the Bible. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just one of those moments. And, and I had to stop and just say, yes, you're right, Peter. This is from the Bible. But 
it's still a true story, man. And so we talked about that later. We processed. I got them all straightened out. But sometimes that's kind of our approach to scripture, I think, even as adults, is we're like, well, yeah, I believe that, but it's not real to me because it's, it's just from the Bible. And so I want to make a case today um, for the importance of God's word and why it's important to you. And what I'm going to do is give you a kind of this, I'm calling it a six-step approach towards understanding a healthy and God-centered approach to the Bible. And spoiler alert, it's not so you can have a better life. The reason to read scripture is not so you can have a better life. That's the approach we take sometimes though, isn't it? Either it's, hey, read the Bible because you should, or read the Bible, your life will be better. And both of those I would contend are true, but the real reason, the Bible reason, is not about you at all. The reason I should read the Bible is not about me. So time is moving fast, so let's dig in and let's kind of unpack this together. So the first step in, in what I want to talk about today is this. God's call on every human being is that we glorify him. That's why he put us here on earth, is that we would glorify him. We exist to bring glory and honor to Christ. By knowing him accurately in our thoughts, by enjoying him intensely in our emotions, and by reflecting him consistently in our actions. That's how we bring glory to Jesus. By knowing him accurately in our thoughts, by enjoying him intensely in our emotions, and by reflecting him consistently in our actions. So that's, that's the first thing I want you to grab hold of, is that's why we are here. That is the call of God on your life. That's what every one of us is here on this spinning ball to do. I know why I exist. I know why you exist. God has put you here to glorify him, knowing, enjoying, and showing. So that's why you exist. You have a mind in the image of God. You have an emotion and a will in the image of God. And you have a body to act it out in this world. And we're called to make God look great by knowing him, enjoying him, and reflecting him in this way. That's step number one. So here's some scripture to back it up. I'm not a fan of people making a case and not supporting their points. So I want to give you a lot uh, to support what I'm saying and not just I'm not pulling it out of the air. And since we're talking about the importance of God's word, there's no better place to find our evidence than in the Bible. So let's start with Isaiah 43, verse 6 and 7. This is God speaking. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. And note that underlying text there. I have made them for my glory. That's why you were made. Now, when in our lives should we be glorifying God? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 gives us the answer. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So it's an all the time thing. In everything, bring glory to God. I don't think there's a verse in the Bible that's more important for a kid or a student, or really for all of us ancient grown-ups for that matter, to learn so that they will model Jesus in how they act. This is such an important verse. Do what God calls you to do. Do it for the glory of God. It's that simple. And if you can't, don't do it. 
If you can't, don't do it. If what you're doing right now, if the activity you're involved with for the next 15 minutes, if the 10 year plan that you've mapped out, if the person you're with or the movie you're watching, if something can't be done for the glory of God, don't do it. If you can't glorify God in what you're doing, then it's better just to walk away. Don't do it at all because you exist to glorify God. Okay, let's move on to point number two. First one is God made you to be glorified by knowing him and enjoying him. Number two, seeing God's glory is essential to knowing it and enjoying it. If you're going to know God's glory and enjoy the glory of God, if you're going to do those two things, you've got to be able to see it. If you're, if you're going to know something or enjoy it, you've got to see it. You've got to recognize it first. And so we've got seeing as an issue here. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 13, Jesus said this, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So what in the world does seeing they do not see mean? How do you see but not see? What it means, and I'll tell you why in a second, it means we have two kinds of eyes. We have these, we have these eyes that mine are really, really bad. And without my contact lenses or my glasses, I bump into walls. And we have these eyes as well. And we have the, the eyes of our heart. And I get that from the next verse in Ephesians 1.18, where Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prayed that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Why? So we could understand and see more clearly the hope we have in Christ and the incredible future that God has for us. But we can't see that until God opens the eyes of our heart. And our spiritual vision has to be cleared up. It has to be cleaned up in order for us to see God's glory. We have to have something done inside of us to get us to that place where we can recognize Christ. So Jesus said there is seeing and then there is seeing. And Paul said that one of those seeings is the seeing of the heart. And that's what he's praying for here. And that's what I pray for you all the time. That's what I pray for myself for that matter. People who don't know Jesus can see with these, okay? The demons and people in scripture who rejected Christ saw with these. They saw Jesus. Judas was with Jesus for three years. He saw him all the time, but he never valued him. He never treasured him. You know, he valued money. That is what drove Judas. Side note, the love of money is deadly as a driver in your life. It destroyed Judas. And Judas saw Jesus more closely than any of us ever will until eternity. But he didn't see him. Not as a treasure, not for who he really is. He didn't see his glory. He saw Jesus perform the miraculous, saw, but he didn't see. The reason people hear and don't believe the gospel is because they don't see with their heart. They don't see the glory of God. They see facts. 
Here is a crucified man. Here is a good teacher. He's got a lot of admirable traits, nothing compellingly glorious to them, not more glorious than their sports, not more glorious than their favorite videos, not more glorious than their food or their sex or their job or their family. There's none of those things uh, that are different in their minds. He's just nice. The, the, the glory of God is not a real thing to them and they don't believe. They may go to church, but they don't believe. So number two here is you've got to see the glory of Jesus with spiritual sight if you're going to know it and enjoy it. Okay, on to number three. The first key to seeing God's glory is internal, being born again. So first of all, uh, we need to know God's glory. We need to enjoy it. But in order to do that, we need to see it. And the first key to seeing God's glory, it's internal. And that's being born again. We can't truly see God for who he is until the Holy Spirit has done his work in us. We come to God by faith. You know, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, that's a faith step. That's why it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because when you come to faith in Christ for the first time, you're making a decision and you're taking kind of a leap there. Because you have not yet encountered Jesus in, in the way that you will on the other side of that faith decision. We're uncertain at that point of what we will find if we put our trust in Christ. And then the Holy Spirit performs a miracle in us and transforms us. And then we see the glory. Now some of you are sitting there going, okay, wait a minute. I thought he said he was going to talk to us about the Bible, okay? Uh, where in the world is he going with this? You're talking about the glory of God. You're talking about seeing and knowing. You're talking about all these different things. When is the Bible coming into play here? I told you this was going to be a different approach, so let's kind of see where this trail leads us. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. This is talking about uh, this work that the Holy Spirit does in us. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness. Now that is the first creation. When God spoke into the darkness, he spoke into the void and said, let there be light. And he brought order to chaos and he spoke creation into existence. God has made this light shine in our hearts. And this is the new birth. This is the new creation. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So this new birth, this new creation that he does in us, where he awakens us, that is so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. First creation, let there be light. Out of nothing, there was light. Second creation, a dark, dead heart. Let there be light, and there is light. There is the ability to see, and this light is the light of Christ as well. John 3, 3 and 6, Jesus replied, in this case to Nicodemus, he's teaching him, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So when we are born again, we begin to see with our spiritual eyes. He makes us spiritually alive. And if you are not born again, if you have not given your life to Christ, right now your spirit is dead. Your spiritual ability to see glory uh, in the gospel as more compelling than anything else is dead. Your spiritual capacity to see Christ as supremely glorious, as, as over everything, is non-existent until the new birth. 
He's just like anything else. And at the new birth, your spirit lives. It comes alive. You're not just flesh anymore. Your spirit, the Holy Spirit has moved in. The, the body or the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit because he indwells. He lives inside of us. Spiritually, he transforms us on the inside and you now have a living spirit and that's the new birth. So number three is that if we're going to glorify him by knowing him and enjoying him as we are, then we have to see him. And if we're going to see him, something internally has to happen. We've got to be born again. Now, most of this probably you're tracking with me. You've experienced this. If you haven't experienced this, yes. If you've gotten to this point in the message and you're like, well, what you're describing there, I've never experienced. I've never come to faith in Christ in the way you're describing. I've never asked him to come into my life. The Holy Spirit has not transformed me. I've not been forgiven for my sins. Would you please Get, reach out to me. I would love to talk through that with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you're ready to make that decision, if you've got uh, somebody else that you're close to that you want to talk to about that and ask them about that, I know anybody else at Trilogy would love to and be honored to talk through that with you. But if you're here this morning and you're listening to this, or maybe you're listening to this message later and you say, man, I don't know Jesus the way you just described. Let me talk to you more about that. Let's grab a cup of coffee and let's explore that together because there's so much more to a real relationship with Jesus. So then something on the other side of that internal transformation, now something external outside of you has to happen. So number four, the second key to seeing God's glory is external. We must hear and understand the word of God. This is the gospel, the good news. After that inward transformation takes place, we've got to be affected. We've got to be changed. We've got to be transformed by the most important external influence that we can experience. We've got to hear, read, understand, and cherish the Bible, God's word, because it is transformative. It is a guidebook. It is a lamp that, that lights the path in front of us. It shows us what to do. It warns us what not to do. It tells us more about who Christ is. It warns us about things that could lead us astray. The Bible is what God has given us to make the greatest external impact on our life. The Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside. God's word transforms us from the outside. 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Now listen to this, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. That is what makes our new life in Christ, our new life in Christ, is because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Of God. The new birth we just talked about doesn't happen when it's disconnected from the Word of God. That's the point of the new birth to have our spiritual eyes opened to see Jesus and glorify Jesus. And 1 Peter says, You are born again through the living and eternal Word of God. That's how people experience new life in Christ. So you can't make anybody be born again. You, you can't do it, you don't have that capacity. But you sure can share the gospel with them. You can share that external influence with them so that the Holy Spirit can use what you said to open their eyes to see how incredible the good news is. 
How important is this? How important is this new life in Christ through God's word? Acts 26. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. This is God speaking to Paul. So they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Now, this is amazing to me. This is Jesus talking to Paul as he commissions him to go. He is sending Paul here. I am sending you to open their eyes. You, flawed, prideful, murderer. He, he oversaw the, the persecution and even the assassination of Christians. You flawed, prideful, non-supernatural human being. I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Go do that, Paul. To which, of course, Paul would respond, I can't do that. <laughs> I am not qualified to do that. And Jesus knows that. And so even though God sends us, he, he uses people to reach people. That's God's master plan. God's plan to reach the world is you. God's plan to reach the world is me. God's plan to reach the world is the person sitting next to you. That's God's plan to reach people with his love. And even though God sends us, he sends us with his word. It's not us, it's his word that we're sharing. You have to hear or read the word of God so that you can be born of God. He opens spiritual eyes to see Jesus. He said, let there be light in your heart. And you saw the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so the second thing that has to happen if we're going to glorify God is that we have to look at the book. We have to get the book in us. Not just go out and pray for illumination. Obviously, prayer is important. We're going to cover that later on this month. We're going to spend a good chunk of the month, 21 days of prayer and fasting. So prayer is something I believe in. Prayer is important. But Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to know about God right now is not a substitute. In fact, I would argue that's an insult to the Holy Spirit because his response is going to be, I wrote a book. Don't ignore my book. Don't take shortcuts on me. I did not preserve this book through the blood of the martyrs for you, for you to try and take shortcuts. Does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Absolutely. But here's the key. The voice of God in our lives will never contradict what he said in his word. So how do you know what you're hearing is from the Lord and not from some other source? You better know the book. You have to know what God has already said to be assured of what he is saying. So yes, you have to be born of God. You have to have the internal work of the spirit, but then you have to have the external influence of the Bible on your life. So step five, we're getting close now. When we are internally awakened to the word of God and externally focused on the word of God, then comes the good part. We meet God and see him in his glory. We meet God and see him in his glory. There's nothing I want more in this world than to meet God, to see God, to feel God's presence, to experience the presence and the power of God 
on a regular basis. I want to be near God. I want to know God. I want to love God. I want to enjoy God, to be present with God, not just now, but forever in eternity. So how do we meet God? How do we encounter God? Listen to this passage from 1 Samuel 3. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel. How? Through his word. How did Samuel encounter God? How did Samuel know God? How was God revealed to Samuel? Through his word. You want to meet God? This is where you start. Read the book. Why did we read through the Bible as a church last year? Why did we start again this year? Because God's word reveals God's glory to us. God's word reveals God's glory to us. And so please join us this year if you haven't already. But I missed the first two days. We're already on day three. Okay, catch up. Or don't. Reading the entire Bible in a year isn't the priority. Reading the Bible is the priority. And I just want to set you free from any guilt. If you join us in this Bible reading plan and you fall behind, nobody is going to guilt trip you. This is not about uh, some legalistic approach. Now, some people like they're really motivated and they want to read through the entire Bible in a year. And I want to challenge you. It's a great goal to set and it's a great goal to achieve. But don't let the devil kick you if you miss a day and say, see, you're never going to make it. Why even bother? Join us. Reading the Bible is the priority. And there's a link that I put into the uh, notes here. Uh, j.mp slash Trilogy Bible. Just put that into a web browser. j.mp slash Trilogy Bible. And uh, it will take you to the link uh, to the plan. And that goes to the Bible app. And you can read it in any version you want. You can do the New Living, which is what I, I read personally. You could do the NIV. You could be an old school King James person. You want to read it in that? You could do that. You can read it in any version you want. This is just a reading plan that tells you what chapters to read each day. Um, but get connected and read along with us this year. Discover God's glory in a way you maybe never have before because you've never prioritized the Bible in your life before. And that leads us to one last step, and that's number six, when we commit ourselves to careful, thoughtful, and consistent reading of God's word. Of writers like the Apostle Paul, uh, God's spokesman. Uh, the Bible was written by over 40 authors over thousands of years, and yet the entirety of scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, the entire Bible tells one story, the story of God's love for his creation and how he redeems mankind from our sin by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. That's what the Bible is about. And all these writers connect together over the millennia to tell that one story. How is this possible? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So Paul comes right out and tells us here that when you read the Bible, you're not reading the words of men across the millennia. You're reading the words of the eternal Spirit of God. 
That's where the Bible comes from. It has its source in the Holy Spirit of God. It's his word that he used men across the years to record. And when we embrace scripture as God's word, not just for us, but to us. Think of God's word as his love story, his love letter written to you. When we think of it that way, we get to glorify God by seeing his glory, by sharing that with those around us, and we will understand God's plan for our lives. How many of you would like to know God's plan for your life? Well, it begins by looking in the book. Ephesians 3, 4, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. We will gain insight into mysteries too incredible for our minds to comprehend because when we read the Bible, we don't read it alone. The Holy Spirit guides us into a deeper understanding of truth. 2 Timothy, think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. And so there's this great duality in that verse in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 where he says, think about what I'm saying. Yes, engage your brain. Think about it. But the Lord will help you understand all these things. So there's the Holy Spirit is involved and your intellect and your brain and your capacity. And they work together and they, there's this fusion to help you understand who God is and where he's leading you and what he's showing you and what he wants for you in your life. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to talk to those of you who may say, I tried reading the Bible. I didn't get it. I don't understand it. It's just, I don't get anything out of it when I read the Bible. Here's what I want to, I got three things I want to say to those of you who, who fall into that camp. The first is this, you're still getting God's word in you and that's always going to make a difference. Even if you would say, I, I just didn't understand, I didn't get anything out of it. The word of God is getting in you and your spirit is being strengthened. It's growing and you will eventually start to get more out of it. So keep reading. Don't let that stop you. The second thing is this. If, if you're just opening the Bible and starting to read, you're doing it wrong, okay? Um, here's, here's my order when I sit down to read scripture. I pray, then I read, and then I pray again. I pray, then I read, then I pray again. I will stop before I read, and I will say something like, Holy Spirit, as I, as I open the, your word, I ask you to guide this into my heart. Give me discernment and understanding beyond my capacity to see what you want to say to me right now. And then I'll read. And then when I'm done, I'll pray about what I just read. God, as I read this particular passage, uh, I really felt challenged by this. Holy Spirit, will you help me to live this out? Would you help me to know what this means and what this looks like? Help me to, to really think about this more and don't let it leave me. Let me continue to meditate on this and, and let it transform my life. So pray, read, pray is a great model to follow as you study the Bible. And the third thing to do is this. Ask someone to read or study with you. If, you know, maybe your spouse, maybe you read it out loud together and then talk about it and pray about it together. Uh, maybe you have a friend that you guys want to read the same passage and then meet later and discuss it. Um, but that's why the church exists. So we can encourage one another and we can, we can challenge one another and we can grow together as we pursue God together. So don't let your, your past, you know, maybe shortcomings or, or failures or what you perceive to be a failure, don't let that keep you from exploring God's word. 
open the Bible and begin to discover what God has for you because it leads to a renewed understanding or maybe a first time understanding of God's glory and what that means for your life. I want every one of you to experience the glory of God in your life, to get out of the rut of living just like another everyday Christian by embracing everyday Christianity. And it begins with staying true to the Lord by experiencing God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time where we've had to talk about your word. And uh, God, I just pray that I, I covered a lot. I shared a lot of scriptures today and I know it, it can, it was kind of like drinking from a fire hose, but God, I pray that something uh, connected with everyone that maybe it's just one point that stood out, but God, let everyone walk away today with something. And Holy Spirit, would you challenge us in this new year uh, to take a greater, um, to place a greater value on your word than we have before. That God, we would read your word, we would be influenced by your word, and God, then we would in turn share your word and be an influencer of others. God, I pray that as we go through this reading plan and others jump on uh, and they join us, God, I pray that this would just be a powerful tool. Uh, it, you don't have to do this to read the Bible. I get that, God. But God, use it as a tool to join us together and let there be this cool sense of unity as we go through this together. And Lord, I pray that your word would transform each one of us. And God, let us see your glory. Help us, God, to live everyday Christianity. And God, let us be anything but just another everyday Christian. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.